G'day everyone and welcome to the Bear Facts Podcast and thank you for joining us for episode four. We've got a big episode coming up today with Anthony Morrissey from the Irish Bear Show here to talk to us about Walter Payton's incredible flu game and his 1977 season. So without any further ado, let's start the show. G'day everyone and welcome to the Bear Facts Podcast. I'm really excited today. I've got a good friend joining me to talk about Walter Payton's flu game. Anthony Morrissey, thank you for joining us. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Mike. I'm doing good, my man. It's lovely and warm here in Sweden. As anyone knows from the Irish Bear Show, I've been promoted from the shed into the closet. So as I say all the time in the Irish Bear Show, I'm making my way up to the big time. That's what I'm looking to do. Fantastic. And I think last time we did speak, you were actually in the shed. So that was a bit of a yeah. fun chat for us, but promotion, uh, promotion. Absolutely. And, and I guess that, uh, that ties into the success of the Irish Bear show. You guys are absolutely killing it at the moment. Congratulations. Yeah. Cheers, man. Look, it's, it's something that, um, it's, it's fun. If I'm honest, we started this. I, I, our good friend, my, uh, Ryan Dangle, um, was very good. He's put me on a, one of, one of his podcasts and I kind of named the original one, but, but on his podcast and, I um I was on that and it was pretty cool, good fun, and I got to talk to, to the lads that, that we all know in our chat, so it was good fun. And then from that, uh, Kieran from uh, he was from Ireland, he just sent me a mail and was like, "Do you want to set up a, a little chat and we just have a talk about bears with Irish accents?" And we set it up, and it must have been I'd say my mother, his mother, and two other people watching us. Um, and it was just before uh, Justin Fields was was uh, decided to go to the Bears, and we were one of the first people that was jumping up and down about Fields, care on the doors. Justin Fields, he's the biggest Justin Fields fan I know, and um, we got into that. We started doing that. Then we did our live. Um, Noel joined us as well, uh, and we did our live um, uh, draft show. And it was going went down for around 12 hours, three days in a row. And Justin got picked. And you could see our live reaction. And that was pretty fun. And from there, it's just taken off. It's completely taken off. Uh, we've got a nice group of people who follow us. Nice group of people who watch us. Uh, we've got some decent content. And look, we've now got, what, six co-hosts around the world. Um, and we look, we try to speak for people who aren't necessarily living in Chicago or, or from Chicago. And I think people sometimes forget, including the Chicago Bears, by the way, um, that there's not just fans aren't just in Chicago. You're a prime example. You're in Australia, and it's 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 taxing to watch Chicago Bears football at two o'clock in the morning when they're getting beaten in Lambeau. Uh, you have to have some level of dedication to do that, and we kind of speak for them. Uh, and as I said, the Irish Bears show has, has kind of grown from there, so it's it's a it's an honour, and I'm delighted to be part of it and involved in it. And it's good crack. No, congratulations, mate, and you, you guys deserve all the success. And in your wildest dreams, Ant, did you guys think that it would take off as much as it has? No, myself and Kieran were like, we'll, we'll do four episodes and we'll see how long how long we can afford the stream yard set is the, is the initial conversation. And suddenly then we found uh, we had some really, really cool guests at the start. I remember Caitlin Sharkey came on. I remember Peg, Peggy Krasinski came on. And I remember the guys from the NBC Chicago podcast came on and we were like, Okay, there's a little bit of traction here on this, and we had uh, we had we had Jeff from Bear Down Report, and we had from the, um, from oh, and um, we had all those different guys that came on, and suddenly we started getting a bit of traction. And um, no, in answer to your question, even then, remember the first year going past, we were I had to do you can look back at it, I had to do an Elmo song when we had a thousand followers 
I remember um, that. <laughs> so I, I did an Elmo song. We're now up at like 10,000 followers on Twitter and 3,500 followers on YouTube and stuff like that. So look, we're, we're fighting for the little guys. We're still the small little guys on the side. But, but we, had a, we had a player on, Adrian Colbert came on last week and started talking to us about, about OTAs. And we're still hopefully getting other players on and getting people on. And as I said, we're just fans and we're just, we're not, we're not saying we're journalists. We're not saying we're taking mad takes. Uh, I'm the famous guy who thought Daz Newsom was going to be the next world, uh, wide receiver one for every team in the world. So yeah, we're, we're not that, but we're, we're just somewhere to come on, have a bit of fun, usually on a Wednesday night, listen to us talking. I remember Corey, who, who used to be one of our co-hosts. Corey said, even if you don't like the Bears, come on and listen to their accents. So I, I think that was one of my, one of my favorite ones. So that, I, I'm stealing Corey's line now. No, that's great, mate. Look, it's, I'm a regular listener and I think it's just such a, an, an unbiased, informative, interactive podcast that, that just provides those insights that I don't think you get on mainstream media and, and, you know, all of you guys, you know, you know your stuff and, and for me, I'm still learning the game. I'll put my hand up, but it really helps me learn, learn about the game as well. So again, congratulations for all the work that you've done. You, you guys truly I'll deserve say, it. I'll say that I, I'm waiting for someone to find me out. And then I, then I, then I think, <laughs> I mean, I'm the most uneducated version of our hosts. I'll be completely honest. I'm just probably the loudest is probably what I would rephrase to that. So and we're, we're, today we're talking about, um, the, the flu game. But uh, maybe if we can just start, and can you share with us how you became a Bears fan and, and when that happened, and take us all the way back when? Yeah, back when I had hair. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I in Ireland, where I'm originally from, Ireland had two TV channels. Uh, it was RT1, uh, it was RT2, James Network 2, anyway, RT2. And they didn't have live sport. They only had live sport on a Saturday at 3 o'clock, and it was probably horse racing or, or Gaelic football, which was a local sport to Ireland. And the only sport they, they bought was NFL on a Monday night. And it wasn't even the Monday night game. It was a highlights package of like 90 minutes. And you had these two Americans who would come into the studio in Dublin and they would just talk about football. I was seven and I was like, what's this? This is class. And at the time it was 1984 and we're looking into 1985 and the Bears. But I remember just the season before Super Bowl, the Super Bowl win, all they kept on showing highlights of was, was obviously little snippets of, of Walter Payton. And I remember looking at this guy and I was like, this guy just can't be stopped. And here's me age seven looking at this kid, or looking at this man who just seems to be beast mode. And it was just, it was incredible to watch. So I got sucked into Chicago Bears from that. And I shook them by, by sweetness, but also then the whole story around, around Refrigerator Perry, around Dick, around our whole team and that defense and, and it was just for a seven, eight year old kid, it was just cool. And everything about America in the 1980s, Irish people looked at it and were like, oh my God, whatever's happening in America is what we want to do. Um, and that's, as a seven, eight year old, I said, I just wanted to play for Chicago Bears. I just wanted to be a Chicago Bears fan and I wanted to get access to it. I never knew where Chicago was. I didn't know what part, like what, what the team was. I didn't know friends, family, and like Kieran and our, in our fair show was friends and family and Tony does as well, I believe. We, I had no connection to it. And it just fell from that. And typical, they won the Super Bowl and I'm AJ going, this is going to be like this for every year. I'm going to have this every year. And I do remember, I think it was in 1989, 1990, we, we played, I would have been only around 10, 11. We played San Francisco. Um, and I remember San Francisco beat us in a playoff game. And I remember going, oh, the Bears could lose. It was, it was just a, it was something that I wasn't used to. It must have been like 87, 88. And I remember that whole rivalry and that whole Jerry Rice and everything that came with that. It just was cool and fun. Um, but sweetness was, was 
something else. As I got older, I started looking into it and becoming really more dedicated to be a Bears fan. It, it actually became quite emotional, if I'm honest, knowing what happens in the future to him, mm. um, to watch him play football. And, and it's one of the few things I'm adamant about. Um, whenever I, I see people putting up who is the best running back of all time, I just reply, why is this a question? <laughs> um, it's, 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 for me, it's not even close. There's some great ones, don't get me wrong. Bears, Gale Sayers, I'm sure we'll talk about him later. Bears had some amazing running backs as well, but just something special about this game. And especially yes. first, that'll get onto it later on. He, he did some of the stuff he did towards philanthropy and some of the stuff he did towards the city of Chicago for kids, etc. Sometimes gets forgotten about, but it's it's a massive part of who he is, who he was. And now take your mind back to was it '86 when the Bears came to England? Can you remember that? Was it around that time? I think they sort of did a, a visit. Yeah, it was around '86, '87. I can't remember when exactly. It was around there, just after the Super Bowl. So yeah, it would be '86. And any memories from from that time in, or was... Jesus, you're asking me to go back nearly forty years, which in my brain is quite difficult. <laughs> I find it difficult to remember last week. I remember not being allowed go because I was in Ireland, and you never went to the UK. Um, I remember, I remember seeing pictures of it and being very jealous of people that were there, and just being amazed about everything America. I remember there was loads of flags. I remember there was loads of American flags and loads of like, everyone started eating Chicago deep dish pizza made by the Goodfellows company. I remember that. Like my mother, my mother would brought home like on a, a Chicago, like a, it was called Chicago deep dish, but it obviously wasn't. And it was like a pizza box and it had Chicago on it. I remember that. I remember being like really excited that I was eating something from Chicago when it was actually probably made <laughs> two doors up the road. But, uh, but I remember that part, but I, um, no other than that, like, there's a lot of grainy stuff in my memory about the Chicago Bears. There's a lot of history that, that I'd love to revisit myself. And I've started doing that by watching a lot of the older games. You got to also remember that there was a period in the nineties where they just RT stopped showing it. Um, and it kind of went, it kind of went missing a little bit. You'd find it, you'd, you'd have the Super Bowl every single time. You'd have some of the playoff games, but they kind of cut the little links. So, and then obviously it was a year before the internet. So it was a lot more difficult, even as a, a young kid to get, fully supported into the into being able to watch and I keep an eye on the scores on my dad's uh, it was called the Pink Papers which was when the sports papers were in it was called the Pink Papers um, and you'd have a look at that but other than that there wasn't a lot you could actually get access to Let's go back a little bit further again Ant back to 1977 the, the year that Sweetness had that amazing game and probably his best year you would have to say 1977 Ant Yeah the thing what people forget about, about Sweetness is he was in a terrible team so this is before free agency. This is before the days when you could go out and buy players at the end of their contracts. This was a stage where you went, and if your draft was bad, you were stuck in that way for quite some time. Um, and whenever I whenever I look and hear of Sir Walter Payton, what makes him amazing is he literally was in a terrible team for those period, that period of time. And he was the offense. I, I read so much now about, oh, the Bears don't have a quarterback who could throw the ball 3,000 and they haven't got a wide receiver who could do this, this. That's because they had Walter Payton for 13 years. Why would you go anywhere else? Um, I mean, the stats around that Vikings game, first of all, the scoreline is 10-7, which I don't know about you, kind of makes me happy inside. It's like, I, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of this, like, 54, 53 going on. 10-7, dirty football in November in Chicago just feels right. That's, I'll, I'll just say that. The other thing that's amazing about this game is that the quarterback, who I will, I will butcher his name, Bob Ovellini, right, probably butchered his name, he threw the ball once, right, in the whole game. 
once, right? And he threw it to sweetness for a six-yard gain, right? So it's not like the Vikings didn't know where the ball was going for the whole <laughs> game, right? It was like, it wasn't like there was any play action. It wasn't like there was anybody else getting a shot. He was the whole game, the whole offense for the Chicago Bears. And it's it's frightening what happens next. And and there wasn't much of an offensive line either, was there, for that team? So he was <laughs> sweetness wasn't getting a lot of prote- uh, protection either. <laughs> no, like we talk about his, him being sick at the start, but I, if he wasn't sick from looking at his offensive line, and he wasn't sick of going, okay, where am I going to have to try and find a hole from today, and how am I going to pop to one side or the other? You look at the first play. His first play is a pop to the right. I guarantee you that is a that is a, a play that's meant to go down the middle. I guarantee you, with the looks of everything I'm looking at, it's going down the middle. And I think his tight end takes out takes out um, their edge rusher, and he sees that, and he and he pops down the side, and then gains another ten yards because he wants to just bully through people instead of just taking the going out, out to the side of the side of the side of the field. So yeah, it, it's 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 crazy that he was like I, I've never supported a team. Honestly, where I've looked at that team and gone, they were the only player that that team had. You look, okay, you look at Jordan in the Bulls, right? Jordan was a, the greatest basketball player of all time, but he needed Scottie Pippen. He needed um, other players around him to make him win tournaments, right? Sweetness didn't need anyone. He just gave him the ball. He could throw the ball. He could catch the ball. He could run the ball. Freak. And the the week prior against the Lions, and we'll, we might just sort of preface the game by talking about that game. So week four, he had a pretty good day out on the park, and he finished the day with 137 receiving yards and 107 receiving for two touchdowns. So he was in quite a, a nice vein of form going into uh, to round five. Um, his start was electric. And, and, that's, and that's what makes it even funnier because he obviously got the flu in Detroit. I'm not going to say anything else about Detroit. Let's just say he got the flu in Detroit, right? So he comes off that game absolutely electric. And again, it goes back to my point. The Vikings knew what was coming. So sometimes you'll see games where players will just electrify the field because other players are double teamed or or the the, the whole system of, the, of play up to that point hasn't been around them. And that's when the great players... Move forward. You look at some of the great wide receivers now, Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. The reason he's great is because everyone knows that's where Kirk Cousins is going to try and get the ball to. And that's what makes really good players sensational players. And it's what we hope to see in DJ Moore coming up. But what I, what I find really cool about, about Sweet, yeah, fingers crossed, but I'm very confident, but then again, my confidence isn't great. Um, what really amazes me about the Detroit game is that now you have a divisional game and then you pop that into What's coming next? Another divisional game, and in between he gets sick. Therefore, he had no prep and no ready for it. There wasn't like it was today, where the analysis is so good that he was getting so much kind of element to it that wouldn't have been expected. What is amazing for me is that he didn't have that analysis. They were just told get out and play. Oh, by the way, that linebacker is pretty good, so just avoid him. Other than that, run the football. Imagine what he would have been like with the analysis now. Imagine what he would have been like now with the with the advantages of 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 plays and the way coaches are are developing and the game is developing. It's amazing to me. On the flip side, I don't think there's a running back who plays 13 years in a row, if I'm honest, in, in this day and age. So it's it's flipped one between the other. Um, but but yeah, going into the going into the game, if you didn't know about his flu, 
you were turning up a soldier field going, yeah, let's 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 witness another uh, another great day for Walter Payton. And it wasn't meant to be for the Vikings and the in, inside the room. So Payton's suffering from 101 degree fever. He's on the ground. He's shaking. He's shivering. Pretty much everybody around him, including himself, believed he wasn't going to play. Um, but somehow, moments before kickoff, he found a way to get himself off the floor and, and out on the field. And there's been a lot talked about Ant, about uh, about Peyton's durability and the fact that he he missed one game, and and even then he he didn't want to miss that game with a fractured ankle, a fractured right. ankle. Like I mean, like you fracture your ankle, right? In nowadays, you're out for the season. You're done. You're finished. That'll be you. See you next year. He wanted to play. And the best part is, he ended up playing 199 games with the Bears, I believe, right? That means that one game would have made him 200. He didn't talk to the coach who didn't let him on the field for around five years. Right? That's how much it meant to him that he didn't get to get to that 200 game. And and that shows the competitor in him. That shows the absolute dog in him. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's superlative stop at some stage. But, yeah, it just keep going with him. You certainly don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> so the game itself, Ant, and I'm just going to rattle off the the records that were broken and we'll, I'll get you to give me your thoughts on the game itself. So ran for 275 yards, breaking OJ Simpson's record at the time. He scored more than the Vikings' offense, which combined for 188 yards. His longest run was 58 yards. He had 40 carries, which to put that into perspective – uh, the, the current record is 45, and that's only happened 20 times in NFL history that someone's run for more than 40. He scored one touchdown, which is the only one for the game. He caught one pass for six yards. The only pass. The that's, only the, pass. that's the part that's the best part. The only pass was a six-yard pass. To one. Like, let's be honest. Did the coaches not know he hit the flu? Because it didn't feel that way. Like, like Okay, Walter. Yeah, you're you're in deep trouble there, kids. You're you're puking up and you're shivering and you you look like you don't want to play. Oh, but we're going to play. Okay, yeah, we're going to give you the ball every time, right? And we're not going to stop until like it's it's incredible the durability of them. And also, I said at the start, go back to the first run. The first run is maybe down the middle. He pops off to the right and he heads towards the sideline. He gains another three yards by basically taking out what looks like their linebacker who tries to come across him. And he gains another three yards off that hit. It's a, it's the constant, I will, like his, his whole mantra around not, did not, not wanting to die, basically. You know, die with your boots on, in essence. And it's, it's very much stated to him how he, he didn't want to not get that extra yard for his team. And there has there been a more team oriented player. Um, in Chicago Bears, I don't know. Definitely from a running back perspective, he was sensational. That game, he just, like, I honestly think if you asked him, and we had Jared, Jared, his son on the Irish Bears show a while back, and I'm sorry I wasn't here to ask this question. I'd say if you asked him which was better for him to win 10-7 or to break the record, I'd say at the time it would have been a 50-50 call. Afterwards, season's gone, he's retired, of course. A record that lasts for like twenty odd years, twenty three years. That that is that is something that you want to have your name connected to. But at the time, I'd say him winning was more important, and that sets the tone of who he was as well. And you say team oriented, Ant. Most blocks for a running back. Yeah, like we we hope 
that that Herbert can be anyway decent. I mean, you didn't need to get anybody else back there. And then it's actually upsetting how poor his quarterbacks were. Jim McMahon aside, it, it was poor who he was who he was blocking for. It's almost embarrassing. He always wished that he would block for someone that, like, again, I said it before, if he was playing in the Bears now with Justin Fields behind him, like, freaks. Like, you would, you would literally never pass the ball. You would never have to pass the ball because the two of them would just run all day, every day. And it's it's something that I find immensely frustrating um, for for Walter Payton is that he really only got one decent team in the 13 years he was at the Bears. Um, and also then you look at what could be going forward. You, you kind of feel from that there wasn't more Super Bowl wins in his in his category. And of course, I'm sure we're touching at the, the Super Bowl touchdown that never was. Um, I think that's something that probably stayed with him for as long as as long as he was around, um, and you, you kind of feel for him and his family for that. Yeah, it's something that he never quite got over, did he? It really broke his heart the fact that he didn't get that touchdown the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and I don't think Dick Kid knew what he was doing. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just think Dick had thought, "I'll give the fridge a touchdown; it'd be fun." I don't think he ever crossed his mind about Walter. I don't, and I also don't think Walter was the kind of guy that scream and roar before the play happened. Um, but if, if in hindsight, without the emotion of the game, like if that game is closer, then Walter gets the ball. Like that, I've doubt, no doubt whatsoever. And, um, yeah, that did haunt him. That did haunt him. And I, I feel, I feel I understand completely why. Um, because there isn't a Chicago Bear in that era. And there were some sensational players in that era. There isn't a, a player within that era that, that deserved that moment more than Walter Payton. So, so after the game, uh, and just quoting Walter Payton here. So he said at the time, I had hot and cold flashes on Wednesday and I felt weak. I didn't even think I was going to play. You put your faith in God and he'll take care of you. I was hoping he would do so today and he did. Hey, I, I, have you ever had a temperature of 101? Can't say I have. I've been like in the 90s and I've been in bits. So like, and at no stage did I think of getting out of bed. I mean, it's, it's, Everyone talks about the flu game in Chicago and they talk about uh, Michael Jordan against the Jazz. And I get that. I totally get that. But this is just up there as freak level. It, it's incredible how he could do that, but also not unexpected. I mean, this is a guy who wanted to play on a, on a fractured ankle. This is a guy who who was desperate for his team to win at all times, never really moaned about it. He didn't retire early like other famous running backs in our league. He didn't decide that, that it didn't have throw tantrums. He didn't get in the papers for the wrong reasons. He just was a, a consummate professional in Chicago. And look, I went I went over to the Bears game in November to, to, to Soldier Field to watch the Washington game. And um, I, I can't call him the commanders. It just doesn't seem right. Um, I went all the way over to Chicago, and one of the main reasons I want to go over to the Walter Payton Monument, um, and like it was just, it was as I said, it was emotional. It really was. It was just something that that links me to this fantastic football club, and he he is everything about it. And the fact that he played at a hundred and one ten, the fact that he did his interviews after the game. I mean, like surely after the game, you're he, he's out on his feet, and he just. Get away from me. I just want to go somewhere else. And a record that stood for 23 years. Um, I have a little story on it. Um, he broke Jim Brown's record, right? And Jim Brown, and I can't believe I forgot the name of the player before, but Jim Brown, was it was very close to being broken. It was talked about it being broken before. Actually, not Jim Brown's record. Sorry. It's OJ's record. He broke the 2 The amount of yards he did was Jim Brown's record. 
and he was about to break that record. And Jim Brown, before the, the guy before that, I can't remember his name, decided he was going to break the record. Jim Brown said he'd come out of retirement to make sure that doesn't happen. Walter no. Payton gets close to breaking the record, and Jim Brown turns up to the game. That's the difference of understanding. The reason why is Jim Brown said that Walter Payton never found the sideline on purpose. Mm. Walter Payton always tried to get the extra yard at him. And, and, and to have people of that ilk, like number one and two running back of all time, it, it, it shows for me the, the pure and utter high regard he was held in as well. Just a freak of an athlete, Ant. So, Ant, just curious to ask you, you've seen a lot of football. How, in terms of single performances, how do you think, and, and let's take our, our Bears goggles off for, for just a few minutes, how does this as a single performance rate in all-time performances in NFL history? I mean, do you know what with that question? I think that's the kind of question you ask other teams, okay, fans. And what I mean by that is we'll never get our various goggles off. We always think that Walter Payton's the greatest. You go to Detroit and they will say Barry Sanders. And I get that. Barry Sanders is a sensational running back. You go to Green Bay and ask them who is the greatest quarterback of all time, and they'll probably say Carey. You go to New England and they will say um, Tom Brady. It, it, it's such a varied one. It's very difficult to compare the type, type of game then to the type of game now. What I will say is I don't think there'll ever be another game like it. I don't think another player will ever have that scenario where he is the whole offense, where he has 101 flu and then goes and continues to play. I don't think that'll ever happen again. I think when you start looking at stuff like that, it's when you start going, well, this is special. When, when you know that there's no way this, this can be, can be replicated. Uh, and whether that's because the defenses are better, whether that's because the pitches are better, whether that's because the, the offenses are better, I don't know. But you can't argue with, with that statement that I, I would be stunned. Like, no, it's never going to happen again. You're never going to have 40 carries with the same guy. You're never going to have the only pass of the game going to that carry guy who has a flu of 101. That's just not going to happen. So to answer your question long-winded, that's where I put it. But I'd be really interested to see if, if somebody from another another team, outside of our friends up north, um, what they would think. Well, it's funny. I was looking through some of the YouTube footage and there there are quite a lot of comments from Packers fans, Vikings fans, Lions fans, and they themselves are saying it's one of the greatest performances that they've ever seen. And quite recently, Jarrett Payton uh, on NFL.com ranked it as number two of his most memorable moments of his dad, ahead of Sweetness winning the 1977 MVP award and uh, the Hall of Fame induction in 93. Yeah, a Hall of Fame induction is pretty special. Anyone go back and watch that. And we're just going to run a quick timeout for our sponsors, and we'll be back just after this break. The Bear Facts Podcast is part of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast Network. It's brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Jeff, thank you so much for sponsoring the show. It's also brought to you by Sheridan's Barbershop. Located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years. They've got Seven barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They've got appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Sheridansbarbershop.com or give them a call at 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Now, Ozzy, back to you. Thank you, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone, and welcome back, Ant. We're on the home stretch now. 
Oh no, before you go any further, we're talking about 1977 season. This is the best part, and it's what I think Walter would like the most. Remind everyone, Mike, when the Chicago Bears played the Green Bay Packers in the 1977 season, home and away, who won both games? That would be the Chicago Bears, eh? Oh, that is so sweet, because that's what's going to happen this year. It's just symmetry connecting up together. Week 1, week 17 is going to be beautiful. Um, yeah, look, 77 season for, for the Chicago Bears. I was five months old, I'd like to say. 77 was when I was born, right? So Walter Payton was doing magic things when I was five. So I'm going to claim credit that me being you know, born <laughs> in the universe is the reason why, why Walter was doing the mad things that he was. But but it goes kind of goes back to what I could have said about about the Chicago Bears as what it was. Name no one would remember really players out of that team um, from seventy seven to eighty four, especially maybe eighty three. Um, there was a there was a big happy draft in the in the eighties that, that created created some of the success stories for the Chicago Bears going forward. But but no one really remembers them. I mean, the first seven seasons, first, sorry, the first nine seasons that Walter Payton was in Chicago, the Bears finished five hundred below seven of the times. So they, they didn't get above halfway. So they seven and seven or eight and eight, whatever whatever the amount of games were in the years. Seven of the nine times. And that's with him in their team as their whole offense. It kind of goes to show what we're looking at going forward for the Chicago Bears at that time. There's a lot to look forward to, isn't there? And they still met the Packers over the way. Ah! <laughs> Shut them out. And and it really was a, a big season for Peyton, and I'm just going to rattle off some stats here, and you can give me your thoughts. So, at the end of the 77 season, Sweetness carried the ball a total of 339 times for a career-high 1852 yards for 14 touchdowns. He ran for over 200 yards in two games that season and rushed for 100-plus yards in 10 of the team's 14 games that year. He averaged 5.46 yards per carry and 24 carries per game. That, again, I say it again, he was their only offensive weapon. How did the other teams not know? The, like, it's not like, oh, I wonder who the ball is going to. Oh, I wonder if they're going to play action here and find this amazing wood. No, they're going to give the ball to Sweetness and fingers crossed, he gets the ball over the, over the, over moves the chains. It's incredible to me, those stats, because of that point. It's, those stats are incredible no matter who puts them up. But to put them up, in the era that he was in, with the players that he was in, up against the style of football he was in, like we're talking smash mouth football. This is no like flags coming in for little touches here and there. This is real hard nosed football in terrible pitches. And he played all the games, man. It, it's 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 genuinely those stats you could keep going because that's why I was laughing halfway through because they're kind of funny because they're just Madden numbers. <laughs> it's just Madden beginner level numbers. It's it's insane. And can I make you laugh again? Go on. He smacked the Lions in week 11 and finished the game with 137 rushing yards with 20 carries for one touchdown. And he also caught four passes for 107 yards for a touchdown. He obviously got bored running the football, so he decided to just catch it. <laughs> Why not? And you, you could probably say he carried the team to the playoffs that year as well. He, I mean, as you said, he didn't have a lot of support, but he really carried the team on his back, didn't he? Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of be a bit unfair on the players in his team. But back then, the era was if you had your one superstar, you flogged them and you just, you just used them all, especially offensively. 
And back then, there wasn't a lot of quarterbacks who could who could hit dimes like they're hitting now or in the last ten years. So, so a lot of the football, especially in Chicago, was run, run, run. And um, and he, when you have someone as good as that, you allow him to go and do that. And again, for all the all the negatives and all the stuff that, that he didn't do that well, his his win loss record is actually quite good. Like I think he's, he's 107 versus 80. I could be wrong on the exact numbers. But his win, win 117 and 80, I think it was. Um, so he's won more games than he lost, which again, bearing on, I'd have never met the man, but bearing on what I've heard and read, he probably loved that more almost than some of the records. Um, and it's just, it goes to say that of those 100 and odd wins, how many were purely down to him? I'd say you're looking a way above 50%. Um, yeah, you need the defense to stop the football, but that's why Chicago's defense was so good because they knew they had this guy on the other side of the football. Go talk to anybody in the 1985 team. Go talk to anybody from that era about about what was amazing about our offense. And while they'll say Jim McMahon was mental, and while they'll say it was funny to watch Perry run the run as fast as he can, it was watching Walter Payton in the end of his career um, run run like he was still in his twenties. So, Ant, I'm just going to go through the honour roll for 1977 for Sweetness. MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, First Team All-Pro, Pro Bowler, NFL Rushing Yards Leader, NFL Rushing Touchdowns Leader, NFL Rushing Attempts Leader, NFC Player of the Year, Offensive MVP, NFC Offensive Player of the Year, and Man of the Year Award, which was obviously renamed in his honour um, after his passing. That is a hell of a season. His captain must have been nearly fit to fall. I mean, how, where do you put all those trophies? I mean, and that that just shows with a team that didn't go on and win the Super Bowl, that didn't that didn't um, do anything necessarily in the playoffs, for him to still get all those nominations, all those awards. In, in what was his, his third season. I mean, the funny thing about, about that whole scenario is he wasn't even drafted number one in the draft. He was drafted number four. Um, and, and you've got like, okay, the Falcons and the Cowboys did quite well with their two drafts, went down to be Hall of Famers. Gold's not so much, but like, you still got to look at that and go, he was drafted number four. He must rank as the greatest ever first round pick in the history of the Chicago Bears. Cause we have some doozies of a not so much. <laughs> Quality first round picks, so he's probably not going up against many difficult ones. But but I think I think it goes to show his awards, his ability, his 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 dedication to the city of Chicago, um, and his absolute dedication to his football team, and never wanting to to back down, never wanting to go anywhere else, never wanting to to move on. I think that's that's something that is that is a legacy for other players to get to. And seeing the Man of the Year award being named after him. Um, it must be pretty special for his wife, his two kids, and um, Jared and Brittany. It must be pretty special for them as well to see that their dad's recognised, rightly so, um, for what he is. For sure, and and, and Jared and Brittany, you, just the the admiration and love and pride they have for their dad. It's it's quite beautiful, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's, we as I said, we had Jared on the show, the Irish Bear Show, a long time ago. Now we had him on, and, and he was. Whenever you mention his father, his eyes just glistens and you just see it, and rightly so. Um, it, it's just amazing the pressure he was on then because he he was he had a small NFL career to start, but then he, he finished up his career and went working with his dad on, on on a lot of projects before his dad passed away. And those are the kind of things that that you you want to you want to see. And he's just carried on the legacy. And 
anyone doesn't follow, follow Darren on, on Twitter, you're making a mistake. He's a fantastic follow and he's just an interesting, interesting family and unit and how it all worked and how, how fantastic, uh, link and connection obviously his kids had with himself. And, and it's just sad how, how he passed away. Like he, he passed away. I'm, I'm soon to be 46 and he was 46 when he died. And I remember reading that in prep for this and it, it kind of hit home a little bit, if I'm honest, you know, um, that, that, that you only get a, a certain amount of chances of life and uh, you only get one chance of life but you only get certain chances to do what you want to do and he did seem to, to do it. We must also mention the hill which mm. unbelievably is no longer there but if you want to go back and look on YouTube to see his training regime before every season it's insane what he was doing. He was going up dune hills, sand hills he was... He, I think he was doing what 150 of them a day. It was it, it's insane what what he was doing, and um, unfortunately it's it's no longer there. I think the, the council or whatever it is knocked it down, but they have a little plaque supposedly beside where Jared mentioned there was some sort of memory there, um, and he's he's open to anybody wanting to try try and do it now. So he's opened it up to some of the some of the current team. If he'll, he'll do a similar regime to his father's regime uh, if they wanted to do it. So uh, if anyone feels they want to try and kill themselves, by all means go and try Jared's assault course. Just, just a legend, and uh, you know we said it before. Just a special, special man, and and obviously much loved by us Bears fans. So um, no, thank you, Anne. That was great. That sort of, I guess, rounds out uh, the the flu game, but also the the seventy seven season. And look, there's so many stories, and and I'd love to get you back on at some stage, Ant, to to unpack Anytime. some more of Sweetness's story. Anytime. Anyone also as well, Mike's not going to say this because he's not, he's not like, he's, he's a very humble man. But go back and read, Mike, if you can put some of your, the original story you put out about the original Chicago Bear and that whole scenario behind it. The writing that Mike, that you do, man, is the reason why I come on the show. You're a good man of mine, but you're also very, very good at what you do. So, uh, make sure everyone gives it a follow, watches the podcast. But if you start writing again and putting stuff up, make sure people read it because it's, uh, again, you don't have to be a Chicago Bears fan to come from Chicago. Oh, you're a good man, Ant. Thank you for the kind words. It's very sweet of you. We we didn't get to talk about, I think we still have a bit more time, so just wanted to get your thoughts on the upcoming season. What's, <laughs> what what do you think the, the ceiling is for both team and for Justin? Um, I'm on record. Justin Fields, the man, he's the best quarterback in the division. Now that Karen is in New York, um, he's the he's the future of the franchise. We are. I, I, Nolan, our podcast and the Irish Bear Show podcast mentioned it a while back. I think it was two weeks ago. He said we're a lot closer than he thought we'd be at this stage, and I think he's right. I think we've done really well in free agency. I think we've done really well in the draft. I like some of our day three picks were just sensational. Well, Sean Johnson is a running back. If we're talking about running backs, I think he could be whatever he wants to be. Um, and I just love Tyler Scott as a wide receiver. I just think. He blows the lid off teams. That's before you start talking about the DJ Moore. Um, I still think Chase Claypool has got something coming in and Darnell Mooney's come back from injury. So a wide receiver room has absolutely exploded. And then you've got Robert Tunyon um, and Cole Komet as wide receiving catchable players, uh, um, catchable options. We've also solidified our, our offensive line. Um, I'm not going to mention Sam Mustafer, but he's no longer there. Um, and whether Cody Whitehair can be centre, we'll see. Um, but I really want to see Justin take the next step into into those yardage and, and show people up, get his three thousand yards and show them up. Um, people were talking about him running and he's a running back, quarterback. Blah, blah, blah. He had no option last year. Who was he throwing the ball to? 
Dante Pettis, with all due respect to him. Um, he was, like, the amount of drops that cost us league, cost us games in big moments. Um, and that's, he ended up having no choice but to run. And a lot of his runs were, were him being the best athlete on the field. You ask what the ceiling is. Uh, the ceiling is whatever they want it to be. Uh, I don't think this division is as, as obvious as, a, as I thought three months ago. I, I was very open in saying I thought Detroit would, would win the division quite handily. I'm able to say this because I'm on a Bears podcast, but I'm sure I'll say this to any Detroit fan. I think they made an absolute hames of the draft, uh, especially day one. Day three was pretty good. Day two was decent, but day one, to go and get a running back when they already had a really good running back room, to then go get a, a linebacker who, yeah, he probably was still going to be there at the top of the second. Um, I found that strange. So they could have really pushed themselves on had they gone and got a quarterback, because I don't really rate their quarterback. Now, I said that, I still think they're the favourites for the division. Um, the Vikings are in a rebuild mode, and Green Bay is Green Bay without Karen, so we'll see. Uh, the ceiling, therefore, for the Bears, they could win up to 11 games. They could win as little as five games. The big question mark I'll have, and I'll ask this to you as a, another Bears fan, is I am probably the only one of the Bears, Bears, Irish Bears show that is open to saying this. I think that the coaches are under real pressure this year because I haven't seen enough from Getsy, from from um, Williams, from from even Eberflus, to be wholly confident that they're able to win us those games going down the road um, in big moments. Because in four, in the in the games last year that we were close in, going down the fourth. Uh, quarter, Getty didn't make good play calls. Like, I remember the one in Green Bay against Green Bay in Chicago where Justin hits, um, uh, Nikhil Harry for an amazing pass. Actually, sorry, the one before that where he hits, um, St. Brown for an amazing pass and gets us to the nine yard line and the next three plays are running plays. We've just knocked them for 50, 60 yards of a pass. Let's go again. And, and I just felt it was very conservative and, I know other members of the Irish Bears have said to me, well, that's because of the players he was with and all that. And I get that. But I really want to see our coordinators and our, uh, our head coach win those games. Not because of Justin's athleticism, but win those games because of their calls and because of this. It could happen. But that's the one fear I have going into this season, if I'm honest. It, it raises an interesting point, doesn't it? If, if Fields proves that he's the guy, but there's doubt on the, with the coaches, I don't think Ryan Poles will have any hesitation in making some hard decisions if he has to make them. Ryan Poles makes hard decisions all the time. You just ask Rob Quan Smith, you ask David Montgomery. Um, if, Rob, if, if Ryan Poles didn't believe that Justin Fields was his man at quarterback, he's got the number one pick. You think he's not going to take a quarterback at number one and take away to Justin? Like, Ryan Poles does, does what's best for, for the Chicago Bears. Unlike, in my opinion, Ryan Pace, who very much was trying to appease everybody in the locker room and keep a, keep a good atmosphere within the locker room. I don't think, well, actually, I know Ryan Paul doesn't really care that much about that. Look what he did with Roquan, who was the number one guy in that locker room. Um, and I think it means everybody in that, in that locker room now sits there and goes, Do you know what? I better perform. Because if I don't perform, Jack Sanborn, Jack Sanborn was the talk of last year. So what did the Bears do? They spent all their money on two linebackers and then drafted one in the, in the, in, in the next draft in his position. As if to say, yeah, Jack, yeah, you did really well last year, but, we're going to put these guys in and you've got to compete again. You look at, you look at wide receivers. You've got real proper competition there now. You've got Khalil Herbert would have probably thought Montgomery's gone. I'm going to be the number one race, uh, running back. And now he sits there and sees, um, Foreman. He sees, uh, Rashad Johnson. He sees, I can't believe I forgot the name of the guy that we, that the other guy who's the, who's the 
main special teamer, Homer, uh, Travis Homer, we've got those guys in there. Now suddenly you don't perform, you're gone out the door and we've no problem with that. And I love that. But what really makes this exciting for me, what really gets me hyped is week one. I mean, week one, at home to them, in Chicago, like, it's set up for Justin. It just is set up for Justin. And I've seen people say, oh, the Packers, history means nothing. History means nothing in this game. We have to win that game. If we don't win that game, then we are in real pressure because I think the week after we play Tampa Bay away, and while they're not great, it's still Florida in the September time, and then we are putting pressure on ourselves going down the road. We have to beat Green Bay in week one. It's it's that it's that important. Now, Anne, I, I can't have you on this show yep. with, without allowing you to put your foot up Karen's ass as he walks out the NFC door. Brilliant. Anything you want to share with us about his departure? The only sadness I am is that I don't have to talk about him as much. It's a little bit disappointing for me. <laughs> it disappoints like me too, actually. And, and blue of ivy or blue of earth or blue of whatever. Like, I, I can't wait to New York press to see him going to his man cave for two days in darkness because I don't think the New Yorkers will like that too much. They also don't like if the Jets don't win a couple of games. He, what, what I find, look, let's, I've called a spade a spade. Karen is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Without a shadow of a doubt, a sensational Hall of Famer, ballot one, not even a question mark for me. As a human being, comes across as a bit of a dope, right? And I'm not even going to talk about his family scenario. I'm talking about the COVID stuff and how he seemed to have no problem with any of either his teammates or the um, media up in Green Bay being in the room with him when he lied, right? Um, that's that's one thing. But as a, as, a, as a Bears fan, he's hurt us so much and... He, the only one saying that he's a, he's the only one that's allowed to say he owned us because he did right. Everyone else, I, I saw Lazard wearing an owner's t-shirt. I was like, who are you? Like, who are you? <laughs> and he's gone up to the Jets now as well because he can't play without Karen. But <laughs> for me, the thing that I find funny with, with Green Bay fans and what the, the rivalry of Green Bay, we need to make it a rivalry again. We need to start winning to beating the Green Bay Packers to make that rivalry. But what I will say about this is they had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. For 30 years and they won two Super Bowls. That's like, they, Karen, Karen won the same amount of Super Bowls as Nick Foles. I mean, I mean, that's horrendous. Um, and that's a, that's an indictment of, of him in Green Bay. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm delighted that he's gone, but also kind of sad because it was fun. I wanted to be the guys that kicked his ass out of Green Bay. I wanted us to beat him as he was out the door. Um, we won't get to do that now unless we play the Jets in the Super Bowl. That would be sensational. <laughs> if we were to beat the Jets in the Super Bowl, um, and it's him on the sideline, but uh, yeah, it's he is the Phantom villain. Uh, he is he likes to play up to that. He enjoys that whole remit. I just don't he'll get that in New York because they've got the Yankees, they've got the Giants, who's a big team, but they've got all this other stuff in New York. While in Green Bay, it was just the Packers. There's nothing else really, and um, and I'll be interested to see how he handles that whole scenario. And hopefully he fails dismally. Oh, hopefully. Hopefully he falls on his ass. Hopefully he's throwing interceptions and he's crying to the media. I, I do find it funny that he's going up to Green Bay, up to, up to, uh, New, uh, New York, New Jersey, whatever they want to call themselves, up to New York. And they, he brought all the guys that he said were terrible wide receivers with him. Like, <laughs> it's jobs for the boys. Like, it's, it's any, jo- any one of his friends can get a job up there. I'm surprised the tea lady wasn't brought. From uh, from Herbal Tea, obviously, from Green Bay with him as well on a, on a massive waiver move. Maybe she will. He will. 
And you're an absolute legend. I've had a lot of fun catching up with you today. Um, now, we can't leave Aaron Rodgers being the last topic of discussion. Is there anyone <laughs> that you want to send a shout-out to or any last sort of comments or anything you want to share with us? Instantly when you say that, I remember back to the Ryan Dangle one, right, where I was asked first, and I, I turned around and was like, oh, I'd like to thank my friends. And, and I never mentioned my wife, right, or my kids. And then after that came Derek came Dave, came Noel, and they all thanked their wives and kids. And I looked like a complete mutt. So, yeah, I start, I, I'll shout out to, to my family. I'll shout out to, to my two young kids, uh, Theo and Beth. They're under the age of four. They're entertaining. Um, obviously, my wife can unless you kill me for even mentioning her name on the podcast. But the, the overall group that I have here, I'm lucky to be in a fantastic country in Sweden. Um, and also, to my group, Irish Bear Show, people who watch it, the people who be part of it, the dedication that, that goes into making a show like that and dedication for the people involved, the hours that's put in behind the scenes that no one knows. I have a meeting at nine o'clock tonight um, about what we're doing for the next month. Um, so the dedication that's put into that. And then also people who watch the show who interact with me on Twitter. It's, like, it's fascinating to me, surprising to me, shocking to me that I have over two and a half thousand people who think that I have an educated opinion on Chicago Bears um, and they follow me whether that's to slag me when the Bears lose to their team I don't know but uh, but overall I, I found that absolutely sensational to you for inviting me on to, to all the guys in, in our chat as well they know who they are uh, who've been brilliant for me uh, both, both during the Bears and on Bears times it's been it's been sensational and I know there's a couple of couple of children coming up and friends that I have I'm not going to mention they know if they're listening to this they know who they are as well but, uh, but I'm delighted look forward to that for them and and anyone that's a Bears fan, just remember, just keep on shitting on the Packers. That's all. That, that's all that really matters. Amen, brother. Amen. And thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it, it, it was wonderful catching up. Congratulations with the Irish Bears show. All the best to you and all the boys. Thanks everyone for listening and for the Bear Facts podcast. Bear down. Bear down. <laughs>